Chapter 26, Susie Without God, Kola was devastated by the loss of Father Divine. She knew she wasn't allowed to show her grief, but the girls could feel it just the same. How could they not? When Kola saw them cry she would say things like, you know he'll be back. Or he just gave up his body. He is still with us. But her looks betrayed her words. There were shake-ups in the movement and even as far removed as the girls where they could feel it. There were rumors that mother was kicking people out. They people were forced to leave. They were very unsure of their own fate. Susie had no idea what happened to Tommy, but she imagined he was at the center of all of the action somehow, getting ready for a takeover, the girls at Broad Street ended up in a holding pattern. They were no longer called on to do their rosebud routines. There were no more big banquets or invitations to Woodmont. Suddenly, all of the practice and the creed seemed like it was for nothing. Susie continued to live in the house provided for by the movement with Cola and her movement sisters but everything had changed. The girls would go to school and come home in the evening with no goals. They never even received new reading materials, even the New Day halted publication. They still had their decades-old recordings of Father Divine, which played through dinner, but it was all starting to seem pointless. Susie kept up as a diligent student of the movement until she turned 12. That was the day they sprung a leak in the first-floor bathroom and Cola called Robert Hampton, the plumber for all of the buildings in the movement. He was a middle-aged African-American man, who had been a follower for more than 10 years. While he checked the toilets, the sinks and the basement, Susie followed him around asking questions. Robert took a shine to her and started to bring her contraband that wasn't allowed in the movement, he snuck her reading material, cigarettes, and money. And Susie felt an obligation to pay him back for his kindness, with the only currency she had, her virtue. Susie met with Robert secretly for another four years without any trouble. She might have kept up her rendezvous with him if she hadn't gotten pregnant, it's not allowed, Cola told her. We have to deal with this. I love him, Susie cried. He's my boyfriend. You can't have this baby, Susie. We have a doctor who takes care of these sorts of things. I'm going to make you an appointment. And if you don't think you can control yourself you should have this problem dealt with permanently. What do you mean permanently? I mean tell him you want your tubes tied. You can't have a baby ever. I'm not doing that, she said. Cola arranged for her to go see their doctor in the city, a doctor known to do a lot of work for the movement named Felix Spector, but Susie was defiant to the last. Angry that she was being told what to do. She tried to fight, but they took the baby from her anyway. Susie refused to follow the rules after that. They tried to make her work for Dr. Spector to pay off her procedure, but Susie refused to work and stole medicine from his cabinet. That's when Cola called Mother Divine and told her Susie was a problem, and that is when Mom called me, she has a drug problem, Mother said on the other end of the line. You need to bring her to where you are. She is not welcome here anymore. After all this time you can't even spring for a plane ticket. I asked, we think it would be best if you pay for it, Mother said. I was angry with them for tossing her aside, but I agreed to buy her a ticket. Just like Pop had for me. I told Pop she was coming back, and he was so thrilled he wanted to meet her with me at the airport. 
We stood side by side as we waited for her, but as she walked down the gate towards us, it was clear she didn't want anything to do with us. She stared ahead as she approached, refusing to make eye contact. She had what seemed like a thousand-mile stare, and it was directed right past us. When she finally forced herself to look at Pop, her face showed her disgust. I knew she was looking at his thinning hair and soft belly. Wondering who this weak small man was. After all, she wasn't even three years old when we left. Pop hugged her, but she didn't hug back, we went back to Pop's house and Susie carried that same disgusted look she'd had at the airport. I'm sure she saw our old home as I had when I came back. Life in the Gleaming Peace Mission mansions made everything about Pop and his property look dirty. I left her with Pop, wary about how they were going to get along. I was right to be worried. Soon Consuelo called and told me that Susie and Pop had gotten into a fight. And Susie had hit him with a shoe. Susie had learned to hold her own, she wasn't going to take any more shit from him. He probably deserved it, I said, Susie was enrolled in school at Fairfax, just as I had been and quickly breezed through, finishing a semester early. At 17 she met a doctor through one of her friends. His name was Max Shapiro and he was 40 years older than she. He had thinning light brown hair and a thin little mustache. He had a dirty look about him, capped off with a pair of oversized tortoiseshell glasses. He channeled a human weasel, she called and told me all about him. He was well known in music circles, because he was a dentist to many celebrity rockers, including Elvis. He was a pretty good dentist people said, but he was famous because he often passed his pharmaceutical grade cocaine to his clients. I know this firsthand because in an effort to impress me he took me to Rod Stewart's house to do cocaine with him and Rod Stewart. It was great to meet Rod Stewart, but it didn't help my opinion of Max that his claim to fame was that he could get his hands on good cocaine and do it with celebrities. I told one of my friends at the music studio during practice that Susie was dating Max and that I didn't have a good feeling about him. That guy they call Dr. Feelgood? He said. Max is nasty. I hear he has sick tastes in bed. I was worried for Susie, but she wouldn't listen to me about him. Then one day, just after Susie had turned 18, she called and said, I'm marrying Max Elvis wants us to get married at his place in Palm Springs. In disgust, I yelled, you can't marry that sick old fuck. Fuck you, Tommy, she said, Susie invited me, saying she really wanted me to be there, but I refused to go. I didn't care if Max knew Elvis. I figured if Elvis liked Max, I didn't want to meet him. On January 13, 1977, she and Max flew in Elvis's plane to Palm Springs and went directly to Elvis's place. The house was a highly styled bungalow with round walls and a terracotta roof and was known as a honeymoon hideaway for him and Priscilla. Susie and Max were married in Elvis's living room. Elvis and his girlfriend Ginger Alden signed their marriage certificate as witnesses. The ceremony was performed by Elvis's stylist and spiritual guru, Larry Geller. Susie was proud of herself for landing Max. They lived in a big expensive house in Coldwater Canyon, but to me it was a disaster. They had a bunch of dogs that shit all over the place. Max had furnished it in the fashion of the 1960s, with wood paneling, funky furniture and pointless fireplaces. 
It looked dated and stunk of dog. Susie stayed locked up in that house, wrapping herself in mountains and mountains of cocaine. Then she got pregnant again, Max wanted nothing to do with another child. He already had grown children from his first marriage, and he told her to get rid of it. She refused. But when the baby was born, Max made her sign her baby girl away, denying her any support for the baby. Losing a second child only made Susie worse. One night, Susie and I were invited to Pop's house for dinner, and she showed up with a black eye. She was so strung out, she couldn't answer my questions about it. What happened to you? I questioned. She mumbled something incoherent. We chewed through Consuelo's horrible cooking with me glancing at her eye every few minutes. As soon as we were done, I drove Susie home. We made our way up the hills to Coldwater Canyon. When we got to her house, it was lit up. Inside, the dogs ran around us, and Susie wandered into the kitchen to feed them. I was looking for Max. He was in their bedroom. Lying in the king-sized bed, with no clothes on. What happened to my sister? I demanded, he sat up, and put on his oversized glasses, which made his eyes appear bigger than they were. I don't know what you're talking about, Tommy. The hell you don't. She's got a black eye. He leaned over to the side of the bed and fumbled around the edge of the mattress. When he emerged he had a black 9mm pistol in his hand. He pointed it at me, and I lunged at him. I grabbed him by the throat and pushed his head against the headboard. His hold on the gun loosened, and I pried it out of his hands, what are you going to do with this, Max? He shook his head vigorously. Nothing, Tommy. It was, I unloaded the gun and threw it on the ground, staring at him as he rubbed his neck, I shouted at him, stop hitting my sister. If I see her like that again I'm going to beat the living shit out of you. Okay, Tommy. And I don't like how she's strung out all the time. You need to get that shit sorted out. I understand. He said. I couldn't stand to be around her or Max. I hardly ever saw them. I was shocked that they stayed married for nearly ten years. But their marriage was always on edge. Finally, in the 1980s, it all fell apart. And all of the pieces were on display for the whole country. Max's drug dealing finally caught up with him. His practice was raided, and the government had a strong case against him for dealing drugs. He lost his license to practice and his Beverly Hills office. He was famously exposed by Geraldo Rivera on a 2020 program. For being one of the many doctors providing feel-good drugs to Elvis, not that he was responsible for his death, but his reputation was ruined nonetheless. We learned that everything that about Max was an illusion. The house in the hills was mortgaged to the hilt, he owned nothing and his bank account was empty. In the end, he and Susie had nothing. Susie followed the money out the door. As soon as Max moved into an apartment, she took up a relationship with a painter named Michael. He wasn't any better than Max. He was addicted to drugs. The two of them were in the middle of a bender when Susie got pregnant again. With the way they lived their life, I was worried about the pregnancy. When the baby came, they invited me over to their house, it was a tiny house, and dirty. It was stinking filthy.
There were piles of trash and dirty dishes everywhere. When I arrived, it looked like the baby hadn't been changed for days. Her clothes were dirty, and her diaper was soiled. Susie looked too strung out to deal with her. I made her get up and clean the baby. I tried to get Susie sobered up. But when I left, my worry about what was going to happen to this new baby girl increased. I looked up to the sky and said, God and Father, this baby needs help. My mind was eased a few days later when Child Protective Services came to my house to tell me somebody had made a call about Susie. Thank you Father. Susie asked me to come to court to speak on her behalf, but I couldn't do it. She didn't know when she saw me, but I had come to court for the other side, when I got to the courthouse, everything was in disarray. Susie was yelling and swearing at the judge. I asked if I could see the judge privately. He granted it and led me to a back office. Your Honor, you can't give her back that baby. She can't take care of her. I hate to do this to my own sister, but it is the truth. The judge sent me back out to the courtroom. He called Susie's lawyer to the bench and told him what I had said. Within minutes the lawyer was back at the table with Susie and whispered in her ear. She looked at me with tears in her eyes as he spoke. When the lawyer was finished he sat up and Susie looked right at me, fuck you, Tommy, she shouted across the courtroom. Ruining my life again. The judge removed the baby from her home, and she lost custody. She stormed out of the courthouse that day and swore she would never speak to me again. It never occurred to me that her threat would be true.